Hello and welcome to the St. Dominic Media Podcast, where we strive to bring the power of the gospel to the world. On today's episode of Catholic in America, I have a a powerful conversation with my good friend, Father Rich Pagano from the Diocese of St. Augustine. Father Rich is a pastor of St. John Paul II um, Parish in Ponte Vedra. He is uh, someone who uh, has a great uh, digital outreach with the Catholic Talk Show and other um, outreaches from his parish. And uh, he really shares about the power of divine mercy and the joy of preaching divine mercy to other people. So uh, you won't want to miss this episode. So thanks so much for all those who are supporting us and help us to bring this content to the world. So without further ado, here's my interview with Father Rich Pagano. Hello and welcome back to Catholic in America. This is our third quarantine edition um, that we have been filming. I'm, I'm here in the studio, um, the partially uh, reconstructed studio at, at uh, St. Dominic Media Production Center in Panama City, Florida. And uh, we've had Bishop Bill Walk on the show, um, which was awesome uh, talking with him and Sister Miriam um, Highland from the Society of Our Lady Most Holy Trinity. And it is a great joy for me to be uh, joined by one of my favorite people in the entire world, um, <laughs> my good buddy, Father Rich Pagano of the Diocese of St. Augustine, pastor of uh, St. John Paul II Parish. And uh, Father Rich, great to have you, man. Father Michael, it is an honor and a joy to be with you. I've been following your work for quite a while. I'm always impressed and inspired by you. And it's mutual affection, brother. So to be able to support each other in ministry online, I'm so happy to be here with you. Absolutely. You've been doing a lot of great things um, online. The Catholic Talk Show is, is doing some phenomenal things and just your own social media outreach as well. We're going to talk about all that, um, but I'd love to start. We're, we're in Easter week right now and we're going into Divine Mercy Sunday. Some people will be seeing this after Divine Mercy Sunday, but continuing the great season of Easter, um, which is tremendous, where we celebrate just the joy of the resurrection. So maybe just for anyone who hasn't met you, hasn't had the pleasure, and I think most people have met you before because I've hung out with you in crowded spaces. And basically, everybody knew you, um, no, matter where, <laughs> no matter where we go, Father Rich. Um, but for those who haven't met you before, how did you end up um, here as a priest? How did you first fall in love with the Lord and, and, and meet Jesus and decide to follow his call as, as a priest? The, the great diocese, the mother diocese of Florida, the Diocese of St. Augustine. It, you know, it's, it's truly an, a, a deep, deep joy that I have in my affiliation with the Diocese of St. Augustine. Um, it is the, the first shrine in the United States of America established and uh, dedicated to Our Lady. And my vocation, I could really look back and, and see a lot of different, uh, you know, kind of flashes in the pan, if you will. Um, even when I was a kid, some of my earliest memories were actually when we would drive with my grandparents, my sister and I, to Orlando to go visit the great Mickey Mouse. And we would swing into these like stops where my grandmother would force my grandfather to pull off the highway and go to St. Augustine and go to the mission grounds. Some of my earliest memories were out on the mission grounds and older ladies giving me rosaries or receiving gifts or little prayer cards whenever I was there. And I could go through all of the medals as a kid in the gift shop. And I, I have awesome memories of that. Mm. And, um, and then all throughout my adolescence into my teenage years, I, I had moments of great, uh, you know, and deep prayer, but I, I was really very, very worldly. So by the time I got into high school, my whole focus was certainly not on faith. And I was really pushing my mother away, pushing faith away. And I, I wound up victorious because I felt free and I was free of my mother's mandate that I had to go to Sunday mass. And I, I was able to break away from her pushing me to do that. 
Um, and I thought that that was freedom and, and how, you know, how fooled I was by the world that, that freedom was cheapened by, by my own selfish desires. And it was really, I was enslaved to my, my passions, my desires, my own selfish wants, which we know in the teachings of St. John Paul II very clearly that that's not human freedom. But to not go on a tangent, you know, I, you know, all throughout my life, I, I see little glimpses but it really didn't come into full focus until I was in ministry. I went through a reversion. I read the word of God after some bad knee injuries and basketball injuries. And I just really encountered the love of God that led me to get involved at church, which led me to be a youth director. And while I was doing ministry, I got a full-time job at the parish that I was working at in Flagler Beach, Florida, Northeast Florida, very close to St. Augustine. And I really started to see the beauty of the priesthood for so long. I had, I had, you know, priests that really, I, I just really never even cognate or even thought about like, how are they living their lives? It just never appealed to me whatsoever until I really started, you know, putting into practice what Jesus was teaching in the gospel, really looking for the poor, looking for those who are most in need, visiting the widows, the orphans and, and those in nursing homes and hospice centers and I, I started to think, you know, after doing the seven days a week and get, be, being given the master key by the pastor, and I had to respond in the middle of the night when a homeless guy broke, you know, broke into the church. <laughs> and, and it was like, I, I just fell in love with the way of life. And I'm like, this is what a priest does day in and day out. And, and I got fired up, and, but I was still dating. And I, it was just such a, a, you know, well, I can't be a priest if I want to be married and have kids. And, it was all this dichotomy until St. John Paul II started declining in health. And right before he died, I had a powerful experience in prayer that I'll never forget. And then, you know, it was kind of his death gave birth to my vocation and my courage to say yes. And I remember I was sitting at Cracker Barrel early morning with my girlfriend having breakfast. And I said, you know, this whole, you know, St. John Paul II was a normal guy. He was a regular guy. You know, he was an athlete and, you know, an actor, just like, you know. And I, I think God calls regular guys to, you know, to the priesthood. And she started welling up with tears. And I'm just an extrovert. So I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I better keep my mouth shut, you know. But that was kind of where it began, uh, the whole discernment process. <laughs> no, she's watching today. Just um, We're sorry to, to bring up <laughs> those memories. Like, uh, but nothing but love. God's got great plans for you as well. Oh, um, so, yeah. so going back, going back, cause you mentioned something just in passing about uh, being injured in, in sports were obviously a big part of your life. I, I have had the pleasure of, of being defeated by you in basketball many <laughs> times through the years when we were both in seminary together. And uh, just, I thought I knew how to play basketball until I played against you, Rich. But, um, but being- Dude, in- do not, I've got to say, Father Michael Nixon, which I know all of you love Father Michael because you should, but on the basketball court, he's like Hakeem the Dream, man. He, he was an <laughs> awesome, awesome brother to play some hoops with, for sure. That's great. We're, we're going to have some fact checkers after this that will <laughs> we'll contest that. But, but getting injured, and you said beginning to read the Word of God, what, what was that like? I kind of think of St. Ignatius of Loyola, who, whose whole life was dedicated towards, you know, uh, being a, a soldier, a sol- you know, winning earthly glory on the battlefield. So in a sense, and then he was injured in a battle, and then all of a sudden he began to, to read scripture. He began to, to encounter Jesus. Um, what, what was that like for you to have that maybe disappointment of injury, and then, but to be able to find the Lord there? My whole life was, was directed toward 
basketball, sports, mm. athletics. And, you know, from the time I was a kid, um, but when I got into high school, it, it really took, consumed my whole life, my whole focus. And I, I wouldn't be anybody if I, if I didn't succeed on, on, the, on the field of athletics. Um, I, my masculinity was tied into it. Um, you know, my, my sense of accomplishment was tied into it. There was so much. And um, junior year in high school, I blew out my knee for the first time. And then some things happened my senior year, and both of those years were varsity, um, where I got kicked off the basketball team. I'm not going to go into detail of what happened on the show, but, but uh, it, was a, it was a terrible heartbreak for me. And I just kept on playing, and I, I walked onto a team in New Jersey and Community College. And um, it was there that, that I was really trying to push myself after my injury, which I never got surgery for I never got rehabbed um so I just kept on pushing myself on no ligaments no cartilage no no you know tissues nothing um and I just destroyed my knee and my coach eventually said like look if you want to take this seriously you've got to go get that fixed because it would just pop out in a game and I would just tighten it up the knee brace and just keep on playing and um when I came back to Florida to get it to get it fixed in rehabilitation, I blew out my other knee because I was pushing myself too hard and went out to the courts way too early. And it was the Felix Culpa of my life, you know, the fortunate fall or the fortunate fault or guilt of my life, um, where I literally went back underneath the knife. And, you know, when I came out of surgery, all of my friends were gone. Nobody really wanted to spend time with me. My family was disappointed in me. And, and I was, uh, laying there on the bed. And I just said, Jesus, I'm doing everything wrong. I need your help. Mm. And the next morning there was a Bible on my kitchen counter. I don't know how it got there. And I opened it up and it was one of the read the Catholic Bible in a year Bible. And, and it just so happened to fall on Ecclesiastes that day. And it, it spoke vanity of vanity says, Koheleth, all is vanity, a chasing after wind. And it spoke so deeply to my heart that I expressed to God at that moment. I'm like, this is the truth. I've been looking for this my whole life and mm. it's been right in front of me. And I've never really voluntarily opened up the Bible searching for you. And I, I felt contrition in my heart. I, I felt contrition for all of my sins. And I just expressed to God at that moment, I want to see how deep the rabbit hole goes. And I didn't know what I was getting into. And, you know, now fast forward from then on, um, I just started to encounter more and more and, and the priesthood of Jesus Christ, you know, that sense of all for all, like Christ gave his all. And I, I want to give my all for that whole communion with God. Um, and that's what celibacy is. That's what priesthood is. And that's what I try to try to live as, as best as I can in my own limitations and my own brokenness, my own sinfulness. I try to live that passionately every day that I possibly can. So that was really the heart of, where everything was born for me because I always believed that Jesus was the son of God. I be always believed in God, but I didn't realize that he wanted to be in my life personally every single day and be a part of the minutia of life. But God, God really wants our everything. And, and it's true. And he wants to sanctify everything. And, and that's been my experience thus far. I, I love that out of like your lowest moment, like really your failure, if you want to put it that way, that that's where where you 
finally heard God speak. And I, I think some people, maybe we, we get so used to uh, thinking of those moments of, of those, those deepest moments of, of pain and shame. And um, we want to forget about them. We want to move on from them. We want to run from it. But actually, God really wants to meet us. That, that's really what this, this season of, of Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection is really all about, that God goes to the lowest place. And it's from there that he reigns. And I, and I love that, that you're able to experience that, not just once, but throughout your life. Yeah, and it, and it continues to happen, you know, you know, whenever, and, and it's true, and, and that's why I so appreciate the, the topic, Father Michael, and, and what I'm on the show with you to talk about is, is mercy, and mercy is everything. St. Faustina talks about God's love, the greatest attribute is, of his love is, is mercy, and when everybody gave up on me at that, at that point in time in my life, and so many of my friendships destroyed, so many of my romantic relationships destroyed, and, and all of these disappointments and the disappointment of, of you know, the, the doors closing on, on the hopes of my whole masculinity and my life you know, coming to fruition and, and to bloom in the world, and then it all collapses. It, it, was, uh, it was very special that God met me there, and it only makes me more loyal to him. And, and all throughout, like, like you said, all throughout my priesthood, all throughout my life, it's always in recognizing my lowly state. state. And, that's, and that's what St. Paul talks about. He's like, I boast willingly of my weakness. Why? Because that's precisely where Christ meets him, because Christ is manifesting his mercy to Paul. And that's motivating his passion and his energy to go out to the furthest ends of whatever type of country or kingdom to proclaim yeah. the truth of who Jesus is. Yeah, he's convinced that it's not him. He's convinced that, it, that, it's, that it's the Lord because he knows his weakness. He knows his it sinfulness does. too. It does. That's, that's, and that's and it's the same thing that I relate to, for sure. For sure. For, for you, this message of divine mercy, both uh, the feast day that, that we're celebrating, this the second Sunday of Easter, the Easter uh, Sunday of divine mercy, uh, and also the devotion um, to divine mercy that St. Faustina, her encounters with the Lord and her deep intimacy with Jesus. Whenever you read the diary, you read someone that like this, this woman was in love with Jesus mm. and had a relationship that's so close to me. It's almost like, I mean, my, my relationship with Jesus oftentimes is almost kind of like cool and professional. Like I'll say my prayers and you do your God thing. And that's kind of it. But to be so close that like, there was like struggle in that relationship and uh, is beautiful. But also then of course, uh, the great St. John Paul II, and you're the pastor of St. John Paul II uh, parish and his devotion to, to divine mercy. So how, how is that? Um, what, what difference does this devotion and this understanding of God's um, greatest attribute of his love being his mercy, what difference has that made in your life? And do you see it making the lives of the people you serve? Without a doubt. I, it, it's certainly a care. It's certainly a charism for me mm. and it's, it's gifted by God. I can't explain it in any other way because I didn't pursue it. It, it just, the Lord came to me and for that I'm indebted and, and grateful and in and, and service for the rest of my life. But, he sent me the vice postulator from St. Faustina's cause, Father Seraphim Michalenko, from the Marians, uh, you know, up, up in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, many, many years ago. And I was just working at the church at Santa Maria del Mar. I was a youth director. I went and picked him up from the airport and drove him there. We had such a poor turnout. There was maybe like 12 people there. He brought all these first-class relics. But the best thing that came out of the experience was – we developed a close friendship and a, and a mm. connection and he became like a mentor and a father to me. And he started to share with me. And, and that might've been seen as a failure for him. If you think about it, you come to yeah. get a talk and a presentation and very few people, you fly across the country and very few people show up. 
but one of the people that happened to be there was this was this young man who didn't know anything but was you know who God was calling to be an apostle for mercy eventually as a priest mm-hmm. and and hmm. he started he started sharing about his ministry about his experience with St. Faustina and that I had already come to know the divine mercy message I I was praying the chaplet of divine mercy I obviously had the diary and I, I was reading that and I was fascinated by her and I felt such a closeness. I kind of get choked up thinking about it right now. Um, but like the whole sense of like that happening in my life. Oh man, it was, uh, it was everything. So fast forward, you know, he was able to mentor me through the whole diary and give me all these supplemental resources and how do you, celebrate divine mercy in your parish and i'm just like not even a seminarian i'm just barely a a youth minister at the time and and he was teaching me so much fast forward all the way up to when i got ordained he came down for my ordination and he Mm. he preached my first mass and he blessed the chalice that i used for my home parish which is now saint john paul ii and saint john paul ii like i mentioned it was from the very beginning the most influential pastor who who pushed me in the direction of fulfilling my vocation, really. So Amen. just the, the bonds that, that, that I've experienced over the years and how much St. Faustina has, has shown her hands in my life and in my, my ministry is, is constant. And it's been happening, obviously, now going through the novena all the way up to the Feast of Divine Mercy. And I'm so blessed that I have first-class relics of St. Faustina, St. John Paul II, and I'm working in the direction of God willing, getting a, a relic of uh, Maximilian Kolbe too. Ooh, and yeah. I know you have a huge love for Maximilian. Uh, I love Maximilian Kolbe. I love, of course, John Paul II. I almost touched him once, um, which was a huge day for me. And I know it was a big moment for him too. I could tell. Um, you could tell he was really. Uh, but that was back in the year of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was able to go to Rome in, in the year of the Holy Spirit on on oh, cool. Pentecost, and uh, it was it was amazing. Um, and again, you know, it's one of, one of the great joys of preparing for heaven is, is recognizing, man, I can't wait to, to meet him and talk with him, and, you know, spend the rest of eternity adoring God together, um, which we get, we get a taste of at Mass um, now. So, so, so with that, I, and I think it's so amazing that St. Faustina, for those that know, don't know, she, she received these visions um, in, in Poland in the early 20th century, um, really in the century that would, would, up until the 21st century, be the, the bloodiest, most violent century in the history of humanity. Um, with so many atrocities that in a sense we can't, you know, it's kind of, it kind of your mind crumples just trying to, to comprehend how many millions of people were killed by their, their fellow brothers in arms or, or in, in, in concentration camps or anything. And that God's abortion, response. Or abortion too. Abortions, like abortion everything else. And then of course into, into the 21st century with all the horrific acts of violence that we've experienced that we continue yeah. to see and, and terrorism. And that God's response through this humble Polish nun is to reveal his mercy. And so, of course, as important as it was in the early 20th century, and then as, as the devotion became more known later, in the 20, uh, later on in the 20th century, now in the 21st century, why, why do you think that this, this message is so important for people to hear, uh, both inside and outside the church? Well, that's a, it's an excellent question. I don't feel like I'm qualified to, to answer it, but I, I, I suppose I'd like to just invite you into something that, that I just today prayed with. And it was, and it spoke to me so loud from, and this is the diary. So Michael was sharing that, uh, Father Michael was sharing about her experiences. So it's all recounted in this beautiful diary of St. Faustina. So if you've never heard about this devotion, if you have no clue, 
pick it up. It's well worth it. It's like under 10 bucks and they even have them through target and, and other ways that you can buy it. So, um, this hit me earlier, uh, today and it's notebook six. And this is reference number 1626. The Lord said to me, I am taking you into my school for the whole of Lent. I want to teach you how to suffer. I answered with you, Lord, I am ready for everything. And I heard a voice. You are allowed to drink from the cup from which I drink. I give you that exclusive privilege today. And to be honest, like I've had a really rough day today, like a really, really challenging day. And this, the 20th century into the 21st century have been very, very difficult times in history. But God continues to reach down to the very depths of human despair and despondency. He reaches at that point where it is the darkest for the human mind and heart to, to conceive. And the human, the human heart wants to give up. But God goes to that point to be able to meet us always. And every time I open up the diary or the Bible or sit down and pray through the breviary, God continues to reach me personally. And it's not about me. It's more about what God does for us. Mm. So to see how important mercy is now in relationship to political conflict, political strife, Mm. or bloodshed, the question on the sanctity of human life, and and most certainly the coronavirus, what we're now facing, all of that, I'm suffering. What that said to me is like, I'm suffering and it's okay because for a minute there today, I was like, why do I deal with this? Why do I, why do I deal with this? This is ridiculous. And then, and then Jesus is like, well, I'm, I'm letting you drink a little bit more. You're not drinking my cup yet, young man. But like, I'm letting you drink a little bit more, you know, welcome that because I'm letting you share in my suffering. And then that turns something so ugly, so evil, so dark to something so magnificent, radiant, and beautiful. And that's why I live for what we do, Father Michael. You know, that's why we do what we do. It's worth it. And I, I think that's, when, when, you've, when you've tasted that, tasted not just suffering, because everybody suffers. You know, you're not going to escape that. We try to think we can run from it in this life. And I think this coronavirus, nothing else has, has reminded us, rich or poor, <laughs> you're going to suffer and you're going to die. And that's the reality. But when you do it with Jesus, then even the worst suffering can become something glorious. And that, that's maybe, maybe the most ama- one of the most amazing parts of the whole Christian message and what we celebrate for Easter. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. And, and it is. It's, we're an Easter people, like St. John Paul II said. And Alleluia is our song, drawing from the sentiments of St. Augustine. And yes, but we could we could sing that we can gather we can put lilies out we can color our our cars and our windows and and go out and sing nice songs in the streets for our neighbors at at a good social distance but what's the reason for that alleluia what's the context of that alleluia the crucifixion that's the context utter horrific injustice and death that is the absolute context so so yeah like he wants to meet us at that pinnacle that pivotal uh, you know, bridge of sanctifying human suffering. Mm. And, and it gives an answer, the science of the cross. Another, another great uh, saint from World War II in the 20th century, Edith Stein, 
which I know I know that you love her too. Uh, you Absolutely. know, uh, Saint Teresa Benedict of the Cross. Of the Cross, her 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 last last recorded words. You know, um, space salve or space crucis salve unica. You know, or salve crucis spes unica. Hail to the Cross, our only hope. Um, mm-hmm. That's my only Latin for the day. But I'll something <laughs> cool that you had an experience of because I know so many people obviously are cooped up and frightened and frustrated and angered and, and some are actually sick and suffering during this, this time and that people are missing the sacraments. So can you share what you did recently um, to, to really bring the Lord's blessing in the Eucharist to as many people as possible that, that you had the opportunity for as a pastor? Well, you know, all of us, and, and I've been on so many phone calls with brother priests and, and following people on social media and trying to figure out how can we minister to people in these very, very challenging and difficult times, you know, how can we provide them a sacramental experience, a tangible, visible sign that confers invisible grace to lift people's hearts in a word that would rouse them when we're confined to that you can't tangibly touch the sacrament, you can't receive it. And it's been so hard for so many priests trying to figure out different ways and and maybe if we let a parade come through the parking lot and we're wearing masks and we can and it's, you know, we're violating the stay at home order. And I've been, I've been calling local officials. I've got some friends that are in offices and just saying, all right, this is what I'm thinking, you know, and then they always shoot me down. <laughs> it's like, you know, how are we going to figure out something to do? So I threw out something on, on Facebook. Some guy flew over and blessed, uh, you know, his, his parish community with holy water. And then I saw another brother just outside of Boston, Father Jay Mello and his buddy, and they took the Blessed Sacrament up in, in a plane. So I'm like, I'm just going to put it out there on social media. Hey, who's got a plane? Let's, let's make this happen. And then the county commissioner called me. And he's like, you seriously want to make that happen? I'm like, I'm ready. And then my buddy who's running for sheriff, he, he called me up. And then a couple of benefactors. Next thing you know, a helicopter tour company is, is, is uh, merging with us and partnering with us. And we were up in the air within 48 hours. And we went around the entire county, blessed all of these parish communities, including mine. And then I flew over Flagler County and I blessed my home county and then also a little bit of Duval County. And then and then landed. It was like a two and a half hour fly around with the Blessed Sacrament. And it was talk about a procession. You know, you have processions all throughout the world. And, you know, you're typically on a trailer, the bed of a truck or something. I, it was one of the most incredible experiences of pastoral care in my life because I was literally praying over communities Mm. and extending benediction to all of these homes and to be able to cover my entire parish boundary with that type of a blessing was an incredible experience. And my heart, from the time we exposed the blessed sacrament, when I talked to one of my brother priests who did it, Father Jay, like, bro, give me some tips. Like, tell me exactly what you were experiencing and if you could coach me and like, you know, help me with maybe what you struggled with and, and, you know, motivate something better. And he's like, just stay prayerful the whole time. Yeah. Stay prayerful the whole time. And from the time we exposed the blessed sacrament, we were doing devotion after devotion after devotion. Chief Hardwick in the back of the plane was praying rosaries with me left and right. He had a rosary in his pocket for me. He was an Iraqi freedom that, that he like carried in. And he just holds on, you know, it was just, it was incredible, man. And, and it, it was a unification of local government and, and the diocese and pastoral care 
where we came together to be able to serve the people entrusted to our, our care. And, and you know, from canon law, uh, and, and we, we were talking a little bit about this before the show started, you know, we're responsible not only for Catholics, you know, yeah. we're responsible for everyone in our community that's entrusted to us, everybody within our parish boundaries. That's non-Catholics, that's atheists, that's, that's anybody and, and any man, woman, child, every single person. There's a responsibility. And I have never had the beautiful joy of actually ministering to, to that level of everybody. Wow. And it was, it was so cool. Wow. And to bring, to bring Jesus to him. I think of like the woman reaching out to, to Jesus, the, the, the hemorrhaging woman reaching out just to touch Jesus in a sense that we get to, as priests, we get to kind of be like the donkey that Jesus rides into Jerusalem, you know, just, just, just a vehicle for that. Um, what, what a beautiful thing to be able to facilitate that blessing over, over the people. Cause, cause the thing I keep saying is, you know, we've got the cure and not the cure to the coronavirus. We got the cure to death, which is, which yes. is Jesus Christ. And it's only in him. They think about that, uh, you know, that, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have everlasting life. Um, so in, in our last few minutes here, Father Rich, um, uh, just maybe just for, for Catholics that are, are, or for priests too, that are watching this, that are maybe beginning to discover kind of online ministry and people that maybe have been unsure of that or uncertain of that. Now, all of a sudden we're forced. Um, that's the only way we have for some parishes to, to reach out to people. Um, what, what advice would you give um, for, for people beginning to make, take those steps in, in, in that area? Someone who's, who's done a lot, a lot more than most um, uh, for you just in, in your own um, social media reach and, and online line reach and everything else and podcasts. I, and I don't want to be tacky, but um, the words of St. John Paul II, be not afraid. Hmm. Be not afraid to take the word of God and the proclamation of the good news into the forefront of public squares. You know, all throughout history, communities were built around the piazza, the square, the plaza. And that's where the center of trade happened. And where did the church build? Where did, where did Holy Mother Church build her homes? Right there in the public square, in the piazza. Well, now everything is moved online. But the church is kind of reluctant to build these different forefronts of churches and all of these public squares. And we have to remember, especially as priests, that we are called to be public people. We, we are public people. And it's uncomfortable because it's the unknown. And you open yourself up to all sorts of criticism. Trust me, I get it all day. I'm sure Father Michael gets it all day. Different trolls online and people saying this about you or whatever. But there are many, many saints who have gone before us who have endured way, way <laughs> worse. And it's, it's worth it. And, you know, finding, finding the silver lining, what's being popular, popularized right now, everybody's saying silver lining. I, I really love to just draw the blessing from the day. You know, draw, draw where you see the hand of God. And, you know, like today, I just shared that, that little notation from St. Faustina and her encounter with Jesus. Um, that, that helped me to just say, okay, I, I don't have to give my heart to anger or frustration or whatever. Like, no, I, I can see that God wants more intimacy with me. You know, to, to draw the blessings, to draw in the spirit of gratitude, what's, what is good that's coming out of this? Well, I tell you, one of the greatest goods that are coming out, is coming out of this coronavirus is that it is pushing the church to go online. Hmm. The word is needed online. Amen. And I'm listening to so many of my brother priests who have never done a podcast, never did any type of uh, Facebook live event or YouTube live event. 
And they haven't done anything in that regard. And now I get to have the privilege as their brother priest to be reinforced by their message. That's why I love what you do. I've been, I've been watching your, your shows for a long time, Father Michael, because I need it as, as a follower of Christ. We support each other and, and united, we walk together. And when we're united at heart and in message, we're learning from each other. Just like I learned from Father Jay Mello and the other priests in, in, the, in the Midwest who did that, I, I applied it in, in my life. We, were, we had a class meeting on Zoom last night. And, you know, a few of the brothers put uh, palm, palm leaves in the bulletin and then, and then sent it to their homes and mailed it. Well, that's a really cool idea. I wish I would have known that before <laughs> Sunday. You know, so it's like the more that we do that, the, the better. And I think the people of God love it. And, and the people of God need that word. And they're searching for something that's going to help them. Where do people search? Google. Where do people search? Online. They aren't, they aren't running to the churches in droves because the church is being poorly represented and it's being misrepresented. Yeah. But the church is still alive and there is still a living word that's being driven into the world today. And, and we need to enforce and collectively not judge each other, but to get it out there. And if, you're, if, if anybody ever watches my material, because I get, I get criticism of mine all the time. If anybody's looking at my material and they're criticized, I'm glad. I hope that you're at home thinking, this guy is terrible. <laughs> I, need to, I need to do something different. Do it. Like, do, do it. it. Do it and do it better. That's great. We'll take yeah, it. Yeah, do it and do it better, dude. Yeah, and, and, and might, re- might re- reach more people, too. But I love that just as, as good advice to, to be not afraid that, that, uh, that people are starving for what we have. Um, Father Rich, I, I am uh, just always encouraged and blessed by you as, as a brother and as a priest and, and, uh, and just the great work that you're doing. Thanks so much for taking the time uh, with us today. How can people uh, find you online and uh, so, continue to hear these, these, these pearls of wisdom from you? Well, the, the, uh, you can certainly follow us at, at the Catholic Talk Show on all the social media platforms. So that's one of the shows that I have. And if you want to follow me on any social media uh, platforms, it's at Father Pagano. Um, my last name is spelled P-A-G-A-N-O, at Father Pagano on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And certainly that's all the ways that you can, uh, you can follow me in the ministry that God's entrusted to me. And Father Michael, it's nothing but love, brother. It's, it's such yeah. a joy to connect with you on this platform and keep up the beautiful work. Absolutely. Thanks so much, uh, Father Rich. And, and to all you guys watching, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for liking and sharing and subscribing and whatever else that you do on, on all these, across all these platforms and supporting us on Patreon for those um, that do so. Um, please keep tuning in. We're going to keep bringing you um, great content, great uh, interviews like this with, with amazing people who are helping to spread the news of the gospel uh, with just really throughout the world here on Catholic in America. Thanks so much and God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of Catholic in America, part of the St. Dominic Media Podcast family. Catholic in America seeks to bring you into a conversation about the intersection of faith and culture in the midst of the unique circumstances we face today. Thank you so much to all of our sponsors on Patreon. And if you like to be part of our mission, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a rating and financially support us at patreon.com. Next week, I have uh, the joy to sit down and have a conversation with Father John Ricardo from the Archdiocese of Detroit, who is an amazing author, evangelist, and leader in parish renewal. You won't want to miss that. We'll see you then.